Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. What's up, squad? I want to keep this intro short and sweet so you can get right to the juicy goodness of this podcast episode. But before I do, I want to introduce you to Christina, the guest on today's show. Recently, Christina reached out, slid into my DMs, if you will, and said, hey, do you want to do an Instagram live with me? And so, of course, I crept on over to her Instagram page because I'm all about showing up on podcasts, doing Instagram lives, connecting with other like-minded communities. But you know, I gotta check this girl out before I say hell yes to see what she's all about. What kind of message is she preaching? Is she pushing, you know, crazy wackadoo diet culture supplements stuff, or does she know what she's talking about? And I didn't need to scroll far to realize she does, in fact, know what she's talking about, and she too is sharing the good news of anti-diet culture. So I am so excited for you to hear what she has to say today so that you and I can stop dieting and start nourishing our beautiful bodies. Christina, I want to officially welcome you to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. It is so awesome to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. I know. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. I've been looking forward to it all week. I want you to introduce yourself, Christina, and the way that I like to do this is a little silly. I like to ask for the dating profile version of you. So whether or not you're actively dating or happily partnered, give us you in a nutshell. What would your dating profile say if you had one? Oh my God, this is hysterical because first I have literally only dated my husband. We've been together since I was 17 and 19. So I always say to my girlfriends, my single ones, my married ones, I'm like, could you imagine ever dating? Because I don't even know where I would start. So however, my name is Christina. Um, I guess if I were to put together a dating profile, I would give a little bit of my background and career. So I am a registered nurse. I have worked in the health industry for in the medical side since I was 18. So um, like 18 years. Um, and I am also a certified integrative nutrition health coach, which I completed that last May so that I could, you know, start my adventure with my own business as a nutrition health coach for women. I also have two beautiful little girls. They are five and seven. They are my worlds. They are a driving force for most of what I do. Um, I suppose I would leave my husband out, I guess. This is my dating profile. Oh, but tell I us about him. Tell us about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been with him since I was 17. Um, he was 19. Uh, we've been married. We've been together for 20 years almost at this point. Um, and he is my rock. He's always super supportive of 
all of the crazy things I bring to the table because I am forever bouncing around because I am a very creative person, but I am also a type A, organized, love to have control most of the time. And we live um, in Massachusetts. We've lived in Massachusetts our whole life. Uh, We have a beautiful little home that we created you know, over the last six years that we've just made our cozy little nest. And um, yeah. And outside of that, what else do I love? I love the beach. I love sushi. I love having good laughs. I have a great sense of humor. I love to find and connect with other people that also love to have a good time and just can get really real and leave the drama at the door. I love that. And you are, I mean, I only know you online, but you are a very fun person. I love all of the dancing that you do in your Instagram reels and your energy just seems like it's through the roof, which is amazing, especially having two young children. Yeah, my whole life. Um, my friends always joke. They they call me a robot. They don't, they don't understand if I'm a true human. They would like to cut me open just to see and make sure I have blood. I promise them that I do. Um, And no, I mean, I think life should just be vibrant and energized. And it's just too short to live in a place of regret and a place of dwelling. And not to say that trauma doesn't serve a purpose and a place, but I believe that we can all move past that with the right, right kind of mindset. Mm, I really, really love that. And I want to hear more about how you got started in the health and nutrition space. So it sounds like you've been an RN for years and years and years. And then just last year kind of underwent this nutrition certification. What kickstarted your passion for health and wellness? Is there a story? Yeah. Yeah, there is. So I come from a really broken childhood. Um, My parents divorced when I was really young at two. Um, It was a very unstable environment. Uh, My mom was a single mom to three of us girls. Uh, She struggled, did the best she could, but there was a lot of shortcomings and just not some great influences around us that she decided to bring in and around the home. So I was very driven at a young age. I know that I'm going to jump over some things because I probably literally could write a book. Um, I'm sure you could too. So I was very driven and motivated at a very young age. I was a determined little girl. I was an annoying little girl to most of my family. They just couldn't handle my energy, unfortunately. And they they just didn't know. It was a generational thing, I feel. But it did not stop me from proving. It was almost like I had to prove myself. I had to prove that I was going to be the first one that made it through high school the first time around, you know, without staying back. And I was going to be, you know, a good student and I was going to go to college for the first one out of the family. And so I really took to nursing, I think in high school, because I was like, oh, it's like a really great field money wise, but I also get to help people. I do like to help people. And I also knew it would be a good career for me to be able to be successful and independent and a financial standpoint as well, because financial stability was something that we struggled with my entire life. So that was how I got into the medical field. And I didn't go right to college right out of high school. I took um, a couple years off. I decided I wanted to do medical billing and coding at first. And then I was like, what am I doing? So I went to like this charter school for that. And then, um, and then I got into nursing school in my um, early 20s, um, and it was awesome. I, I made a lifelong friend there, did the whole um, you know nursing career 
for quite a while. And I still am a a nurse. I'm a psych visiting nurse at this point in my career for the past six years. And then the over the last two years, I'm going to really fast forward here is when I started to really my start my own healing journey um, with my eating disorder and my disorder and unhealthy relationship with exercise, uh, food, um, not addressing childhood trauma, not learning the better way to communicate for most of my life. So I just kind of hit a place where I was like, I'm done. I need to start focusing on myself. And I, I know I don't want to be a nurse for the rest of my life in the field that I'm in, in the position, in the career that I'm in. I just knew I wanted more. And I started really becoming passionate with health and wellness seven years ago um, after my first daughter was born, as far as like a nutrition and fitness aspect comes into play with this whole journey. I've always been athletic and I've always been active, but after I had her, I was like, you know, I really want to try and find myself again. And I felt like that was going to be with you know, fitness and nutrition. And I never addressed my disordered eating and or my eating disorder. So I thought I had a grip on it um, until I had my second one and it started rearing its ugly head again and coming out of the closet. And I had to deal with it all over again when I had thought I, I thought I foolishly was healed from it. Um, And then these last two years, I was, I, just, I hit, I hit a point where I was like, I don't want this ever to seep into my, into my actual family life. Cause it was always my dirty secret. And I'm very good at keeping that away from them. Um, and I just never wanted my kiddos. I don't want to ever have my, my girls to see what I was struggling with. I mean, I will be open with them at some point, you know, when they're a much older, they're five and seven. Um, so, um, so these last few years has been a real eye opener for me. I I'm getting professional help finally. Um, you know, I did my, my certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And honestly, that course alone was extremely eye opening that it just, it made me realize there's so much more to our health and well-being than exercise and what's on our plate. And don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not no naive girl over here and didn't realize that there's other deep work. I mean, I will preach it until the cows come home to my clients and my patients, but I wasn't practicing it myself. It was almost like I had to have a self-realization and like, holy crap, I need to do what I am I am helping other people do. And it was just a real hard thing for me to fully acknowledge and take action on. It always is. So it's, like we're the hardest client we'll ever work with, right? So hard. But I couldn't, it's so hard, yet I'm more humble and grateful today than probably I have ever been at any time in my life that I finally accepted that I was going through really difficult times. I have a disease. I need professional help. I cannot fix myself by myself. And I also need to be more open um, and, and communicative with my husband, which was really difficult too, to like kind of get it out of your throat and voice it, you know? There's just so much shame surrounding like women yeah. and bodies and eating and just struggling with any of that. I find 
working with the clients that we do, even if someone is like celebrating a win, we often don't want to share it with anyone because it's just almost like a taboo topic. It's sort of like money, you know, like, oh, I don't want to talk about food and like my struggles with it. Or I don't want to talk about weight and the fact that I've really been working at like managing this healthy weight because nobody cares. Right. Or like, what will they think of me? It's just, yeah, there's a lot of stigma behind it. Yeah, we talk a, we talk a lot about uh, shame in, in my therapy sessions, actually, and ha- and the weight of shame and how heavy that emotion truly is. And I I've never given it, I've never really looked at it as it being as heavy as it truly is on me. And it evokes a lot of emotional pain. I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really cry that much. And then all of a sudden, I'm a blubbering over here. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so ashamed of what I've done. And it's like, you know, so regardless of my story, my journey and all that, the reason that I'm here today and that I become so passionate with helping other women is because I know, I know there are so many of us out there that are just suffering in silence because we, I know women have a hard time sometimes finding their voice and being able to say those things out loud that we're doing to ourselves and being accepted and not judged for it. So my clients tell me they're, you know, when they start working with me and we really start, you know, getting comfortable and opening up, I always tell them, whatever you bring to the table, I want you to know that it's not going to change any kind of way that this is going to go relationship wise as a, you know, a client to a coach and that this is really truly a safe place. And you can almost see, like, you can see them breathe. And I don't know if you get that with your clients as well. And so you just see that sigh of relief, like, wow, okay. And it's an element. I don't believe that most of my clients knew there was going to be, you know, part of our pro part of my program. And I always get that kind of like, I get a little bit of a shock value with them that, wow, like, I didn't know I was going to get this piece too. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. It's a different level of comfort to realize, oh, I can implicitly trust this person who has Mm -hmm. my best interest at heart and her only goal is to help me reach mine, like judgment-free zone where we can literally talk about anything and everything and, you know, I can fail and that's okay and we can work through that. Like there is no good, bad, right, wrong. It's so refreshing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's literally my ultimate goal in my coaching practice um, is just to help women to realize that it's not so nutrition and well-being does not have to be so rigid. And I, you know, we get, we get so focused on the rules and that all or nothing mindset that we forget that that's not, it's obviously not sustainable. I don't, I don't know if we truly forget. I think more of it goes into a denial place when it comes to like trendy, you know, diets and, and jumping from one to the next and things like that. So I, I like the fresh perspective that, you know, I bring to my clients and other coaches like yourself, you know, that why we're so relatable that we're able to do that as well. I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more because yes. Instagram bio, you say that you help women to stop self-sabotaging their health with chronic dieting and learn how to start nourishing their bodies, which I love. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Mm. A lot of people know this already, but just to reiterate, how does chronic dieting sabotage our health? So, and this was something that took me a very long time to 
realize as well. And you think, oh my God, we're going to do this new diet and it has to be good, right? Because everybody is talking about it and everybody is doing it. Look at these results they're getting and it's amazing. Their body's looking amazing. Not realizing all of the things that are going on under the surface. Okay, outer. True. Yeah, you're getting results. But what are you doing underneath that? You are wrecking hormones. You're causing instability inside of you that we're trying to fix, right? We, we get these, these promises that our metabolism is going to be great and all this. And really, we're ruining that. We're harming on the inside. Um, and, and that is, it's, it's very surface level. Like we're, we're harming our, our metabolism. We're harming our, our gut health and our, our women, our female hormones, right? Um, and then we're doing something even worse than that. We're really squeezing our mindset. We're really squeezing on our mental health in the process of all that. So not only are we putting our health on the line as far as, you know, the actual biologicals, but now we're, we're dealing with our psyche and we're really decompensating that to a place where we think it's okay to continue jumping from diet to diet. Um, not realizing all of the turmoil that's happening, you know, with our mental well-being, And I think that that honestly is my number one goal. And my number one thing that I talk with my clients about is first and foremost, our mental well-being, And then we can talk about all the other things that are actually happening when we're chronically dieting, because I think that's the most important and it's not covered in enough of these diets. <laughs> and the two go hand in hand, right? Like you can't separate them. Like if you have poor mental health, what? then physical health is going to follow. Or if you have poor physical it's, health, then oftentimes poor mental health is, you know, a coinciding factor. Yep. yep. Absolutely. So you already started answering this question, but I, I want to get your opinion on if we know the crash diet or conventional diet doesn't work, why do we keep going back to it? Like there's so many women that we work with who have done Weight Watchers three times or thinking about doing it for a fourth time, have done like paleo, keto, whole 30. And now they're thinking about like the next latest and greatest thing. Like at what point do we realize this approach isn't working and I deserve more? Like why do we keep resubscribing to the same thing that has shot us in the foot over and over again? I know. And honestly, I think I think a lot of it does come down to our mindset um, and realizing, I think a lot of times we sometimes are in a little bit of denial that the hard work that needs to be done doesn't exist with a diet name. It doesn't, it's not with an, it's not a diet that we need to focus on in order to feel the, the happiness that we're chasing, which is really, really hard to acknowledge and be aware of and also work on. Um, so it's almost like chasing chaos sometimes with these diets and going from one to the next. Like we already live in a chaotic world. So why not, you know, think that we're taking, we're, we're going to make it easier because we're going to have something laid out and mapped out for us. And it's going to tell us exactly what we need to do. And it's regimented and it's not going to make us think as much when in reality it's doing, it's doing just the opposite and it's making everything much worse because you're now, you're depriving yourself of key nutrients, of enough food, of enough nourishment. Um, but we don't, we don't slow down enough to look back and take inventory on truly how these diets are, are impacting our, our entire life because we're so distracted. I honestly feel distraction and busyness um, take the front seat throughout our life 
where we just think, whatever, we're going to get on something. I have so many clients. I just need you to tell me exactly what I need to do when I need to do it. And then that's what I need. I need that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, we got to work together and see what's going to work well for you. I can't tell you that what works for Sally over here is going to work for you. So it's almost like, so I'm forgetting what the actual terminology for this is, but it's, it's when we always think the future is going to be brighter. Like our mental image of the future is always better than our current reality, right? Like I'm going to be wealthier. I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be healthier. Like future me does it all, right? But in reality, if we don't start changing what we're doing today, we'll never become that version of ourselves. So it's almost like we do the same thing with dieting, where every time we read false promises by a diet, we're like, ah, this is going to be the one, like, this is the thing that's going to, you know, help me to reach the ultimate goal. And we forget that if we don't find something that we can keep doing, we're just going to end up in the same exact spot every single time. So like you said, it's a little bit of denial and almost like we have our blinders on because we're not pausing to be mindful of like, well, how has this worked for me before? And we're just blindly being like, the future will be better. This time will be the one that works finally. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think too, it's almost like that shiny object syndrome. You know, oh, this looks so great over here. And losing sight that the boring things is what's going to get you the results that that you're actually yearning for. Like, are you... Are you actually managing your stress and getting quality sleep? Like those are, those are two of the most important things. I literally talk about almost every session with our, with my clients because they don't realize the toll that it takes on their body. So, you know, these other diets, they promise all these things. Oh yeah. You can pack, you can pack them all in these little containers or whatever it is, you know, so you can still have alcohol and do this. Well, why is that so important when you're focusing on your health to make sure that you're able to fit in these other kind of things without taking a step back and realizing maybe your 60 hour plus position a week and going, you know, getting four hours of sleep might really be the reason that you're struggling with your, your health, you know? So, um, I think we, we really, sometimes we don't want to admit to what really needs change. So we look for it in these. And these shiny objects, these shiny diets. Yeah. I have had, and I don't know if this is an analogy that will resonate with everyone, but I've had coaches before who have said, I can make sure that you're great at what you do. Like you have the tools and the skills that you need, but I can't be the one on the field scoring the goal for you, right? Like essentially you have to be the one that's willing to put in the time and do the work. And Ultimately, like no coach that I hire, whether it's like therapist for mental health or a business coach or a nutrition coach is able to get me across the finish line. I have to carry me across the finish line, right? It's -hmm. the same thing. I think many of us don't know how, or we don't want to do the real work that is boring and tedious and requires a lot of repetition and consistency. So we are hoping that by hiring a coach or signing up for a diet, like it will just be done for us. Like it'll be a, yeah. this, not that get to the goal. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And I, I say the same thing. I can give you all the tools and resources that I know will get you to the place that you need to go to, but exactly. I can't do the work for you. The results are ultimately up to your dedication and to your commitment. If we put in the time and the work, we absolutely can cross that finish line. It's just 
acknowledging that we have to unsubscribe from the crash diet, from the quick fix mentality, because there is no magic pill or secret solution that we just haven't found yet. No, there isn't. And unfortunately, it doesn't all, it, you know, just going back to the chaoticness of our lives. We live in a world of instant gratification. We live in a world where there's no patience. So now not only are we relying on, you know, ourselves ultimately bringing us across that finish line, but we also have to come to terms with it's, it's not going to happen overnight. And I have to really hone in on that patience and, and that progress versus the desired result. And, you know, most of my clients are like, I just, I just wanted to, I just, I just want to lose weight. I want to lose these 20 pounds in 12 weeks. And I get it. I understand. But what if you looked at it from a different angle? What if you looked at it as a daily basis? What are you completing every single day? You feel fucking solid about, like you feel so good about every single day. And then it changes their perspective. And I'm sure you see it with yours too. They're like, wow, all right. I definitely would not have given myself a pat on the back for these things if you hadn't brought it to my attention. So, you know, having a coach, it's more than just giving you the resources and tools. It's also helping you to see these different perspectives and to also realize it's it's not consistent. It's not only about that desired result. It's about the process and the progress. Totally. It's looking at the process rather than just hoping for the outcome or celebrating the outcome, right? So oftentimes what you just described is like, hey, what did you do? Like, what were your actions and your behavior supportive of? Let's focus on what you can control. Whereas weight loss is just a byproduct, but it's an outcome that we can't directly control. Yep, exactly. Okay, Christina. So let's say we've reached the point where we're like, crash diets don't work. I'm over it. I deserve better. Yeah. How can we protect ourselves or like guard ourselves against the allure that is diet culture. Because I find that even once we reach that place, it's really hard to not continue chasing shiny squirrels because it's everywhere. Like, especially on social media, there's just all of these Ozempic is the latest thing, right? Like weight loss shots. Could I try that? Kim Kardashian's doing it. Like, even if you have your blinders on and you're doing your thing and you're super consistent it can still be very tempting to see these other plans and programs and diets where it appears as though people are getting faster results. Do you have any suggestions for people who are like, how can I stop getting distracted by all these things? Cause I know they don't work. I know. And it's such a great question because I'm sure even, even where you are in your healing journey and your health journey, like it's easy to get, to get, have fleeting thoughts and be like, Oh, well, what is this? Like, Am I doing it right? You know, because there is, it is, we are inundated with so much information every single day, not even to mention the social media aspect, just on a day in and day out, you're inundated. Decision fatigue is a real thing, you know, and just downloading and processing all of the information that we are faced with every single day is insane. So yeah, it's, it's super hard to sit back and be like, Oh, well, you know, I'm not going to look at that. No way. I'm not going to look at that. It's like telling a kid not to eat the candy that's right in front of them. So it's really hard. And this is such, oh, it's such a good question because the only way that I stay true on my path, and and this is recent. I mean, guys, two years I've been on this this path of of trying to to stay on it. It does not mean I don't wobble outside and and get a little and, and catch myself. And I think what I do to my 
myself and and how I help myself and how I help my clients is I remind them, all right, so let's take inventory. Let's take a look at, at what your history is and what you've tried and, and where does it always wind you? Where, where do you always find yourself? And just reminding them that all these other diets that they've tried and where it's landed them. And then when they start living life again, they land, they go right back to where they were prior to this shiny diet. So it's really it's, it's having that self-awareness and acknowledging like, all right, it's shiny, it's new, but it's probably going to have the same damn effect as these other 12 ones that I've already done. But how can you make sure, all right, so we've acknowledged it. Now, what do I do with that information? I guide my clients. I'm not keeping it inside. Say it out loud. If you even say it out loud to yourself or, you know, you, you look in the mirror and maybe you're, you're talking to yourself for a minute. Get it out of you. Don't let it fester inside you because that's where I feel a lot of those um, self-doubt and imposter syndrome and, and ego takes over and it starts festering inside of us where we can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So get it out. Have an outlet where you can get it out, whether it's by yourself, with your partner, a best friend. If you've got friends that are on a journey with you, I think that is incredible because now you've, you've built a little community where you can be like, guys, like I was tempted I really was this Ozempic crap. And you have your girlfriends there to maybe say, what? No, like we are in this together. So it's building a community as well and having somebody that is in your corner to do coaching, therapy, whatever it is, your partner. Um, I think those are really the the factors that will keep you from doing, um, from making a decision that you're going to regret. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, honestly, because I think, sometimes it feels like us against the world. And by that, I mean like the diet culture world and everybody who's subscribing to it still. But the best thing we can do is to find like-minded people who are on our team, in our corner, doing the same slow, sustainable, boring at times, but effective (laughs) solution. And they can be like, I've been where you are, but like, just hang in there. Like you're, you're exactly where you're meant to be. And we can do that by screening the people we follow on social media and finding more like, yes, evidence-based, you know, coaches, practitioners, things like that. Also communities like Facebook communities, whether, you know, you have a in-person community, your friends, find people who are of the same mindset and it goes a very long way. That was a great. Yeah. The people, a hundred percent, the people you surround yourself around, like the people who you're surrounded by, you are all going to influence each other. So if you're surrounded by people that are, you know, constantly drama, negative, trying the next best thing, like maybe super materialistic, and that's not what you're striving to be as a person, you have to reevaluate that. And it's really hard. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk a little bit, yes, supportive, but I'm going to talk a little bit too on boundary setting, because this is a big one as well in in my life. um, And you know, what I help my clients through. Sometimes you have to make those really hard decisions to evaluate some of these relationships, friendships, even people that are your blood, how you can start to create some distance and or breaking up with that relationship, that friendship, whatever it is, that's not serving what you're trying to work towards. Cause it's going to only bring you down and it's going to constantly be tempting to slip into old ways. 
Yes. Oh, that's so hard. I'm actually thinking of a client who has had her head down. She's super consistent. She's making fantastic progress, albeit slower than what she wants, but she is making steady progress. She's navigated holidays and events and messed up weeks where she didn't execute as well as she had hoped to. And just recently with the start of the new year, her mom came to her and said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this diet and I want you to do it with me. And she was sharing with me how incredibly difficult it was to have to create a really hard boundary because her mom knows that she's been working on this. Her mom knows that she's tried the diets before. It doesn't work. And while she wants to support her mom, be supportive of you know her mom's nutrition journey, she had to say, you know, I'm doing this. That is not what works for me. I support you, but I will not do it alongside of you. I know like what a changer, but it's easier said than done. Like what a hard boundary to draw. Oh my gosh. It's incredibly hard. And it's incredibly hard too, if it's somebody that you're obviously close with that you have, you know, maybe communication on the daily or weekly, whatever it is, it's not an easy thing to do. Sometimes it doesn't mean that you have to completely cut a person out guys. I mean, it could be as, not as simple, but it could be just having that really hard conversation to let that person know exactly where you stand. Because sometimes until we really put it out there, maybe that person isn't realizing how serious we are on our journey and where we are in, in our goal. And then and it creates, sometimes it creates a better relationship than knowing where you're at and understanding that that boundary has been set. So they start respecting that more as well. And to be the cynic, sometimes people are intimidated by the success they're seeing you have and they want to kind of, you know, make sure misery loves company. So they want to do the whole normal, typical, I know how this is going to end and I want you to kind of crash and burn with me. That's That's a possibility. And then maybe that is the type of relationship we need to break up with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's that type of relationship, they got to go. That's a little bit of narcissism. Not here here for it. (laughs) No. So Christina, I want to switch gears a little bit because you spoke of your daughters and how you are being super intentional with how you talk about food and body and diet around them. And I am really curious as a new mom myself, how you're choosing to raise and talk to your children about food and bodies differently than how you were raised and talked to about food and body, just knowing that, you know, maybe some of that influenced or led to or triggered some of the disordered eating behavior that you've had to navigate? Sure. So my childhood um, was definitely rocky. Um, Like I said, my mom had raised us and she worked a ton. So I have two older sisters. We're all two years apart. So the older sisters, you know, we all just kind of fended for ourselves and figured things out. Um, Food was sometimes scarce. um, But, and then, I don't know, my mom definitely had eating disorder and uh, disordered relationship with food and whether she knows it or not may have rubbed off on me. Um, Unfortunately, I don't remember a lot of my childhood. I've suppressed a a ton of it. But when I got to a point where I started controlling my food, which I thought I was controlling, right? We talked about this before and it ended up controlling us. Um, I was about 15. Okay. And even up until the last two years, like I was pretty good at hiding you know, the way I was with food and my relationship with it so that it wouldn't look like 
anything was probably wrong or any, or I was going through anything that people could really pick up on. And one, it was really, you know, my kids. Right. Um, so prior to the last two years, I got into, I want to say it was probably five years ago. I started getting into really clean eating everything organic, like, you know, ingredient, you know, watching like crazy. Um, it was consuming me. It was controlling me. And so I was also talking to my, my girls about good and bad ingredients. And then when they were starting to get older and I'm like, Oh my God, like now I'm going to give them a food complex. Now they're walking around. Is this food item good for me? Is this one bad for me? And I'm like, Oh, geez, like I can't, I can't have that, you know? And I think that was also one of the tipping points for me when I really was like, I got to figure out a way to heal myself and to also bring positivity into the house around fun foods, soul foods, and nutritional foods. So that unfortunate was really helpful. And um, we allow all the things. Now, I do, I am still, um, a conscious consumer. So I do pay attention to certain things, but I also, you know, I'm open with my girls now and explain things to them. I didn't come from, you know, a household where there were a lot of conversations and communications. It was just, it's this and that's it. Like there's no, there's no explanation. There's no support. Like it's this and that's it. And it, or it's like, it's not happening. And it's like, okay, I don't want that in my house. So I explained to them, all right, well, this food is really good for your brain. Like this is really supportive. So we can think really good and uh, we don't get really tired. And this food is, you know, really helpful for our belly and the, the, the soldiers that are in our belly to help, you know, fight off sicknesses. And so these are the kind of conversations that I've been finding over the, the last two years you know, through other people, like-minded individuals in this community, I got a lot of guidance from, you know, their posts and things like that on how you can communicate nutrition with kiddos that doesn't label things as good and bad, more or less, all right, this one's going to be, it's going to help us a little bit more health-wise, but this one's going to make us feel really good because it's really yummy and we enjoy it. And maybe we're, you know, watching a movie and we're having popcorn and candy, like, how we're creating memories around food. So teaching them that there's some soul foods and then there's nutrition foods. And at five and seven, they're not too young to understand these concepts. They're And, and they're not too young to have these kind of conversations with. There's also a fine line of, all right, so we have, have these fun foods and how can we incorporate them? So, you know, I found that incorporating something fun in their lunches every day and then with dinner so that they know, all right, we're having it with meals. Like it's, it's instead of being, all right, we can only have this, you know, when they're only if and when, you know? Um, so it's still a work in progress, but we've definitely made a ton of changes over the last couple of years. And like I was saying, my husband's super supportive and it's been eye-opening to say the least and how to navigate it in a way where obviously I don't want them to have these ill feelings towards certain junk foods, you know, our soul foods. So they don't get a complex. And we also, and to add a layer here, we deal with um, gluten sensitivity in this house. Uh, I have a, a very reactive to it which I found over the last couple of years going through my gut health journey myself. And then I recently had my, my littlest um, tested 
and she's got SIBO, leaky gut, super reactive to gluten. And the functional doctor I hired, he's like, well, it, that's what you have. And unfortunately they've inherited your microbiome. And so it's a decision that you have to make in your home on, you know, what foods to bring in. But so here's the other element to that going through explaining what is gluten to children and how our bodies react to it, how some bodies react to different foods than other people and how we can still, you know, enjoy some of the, our, our foods that contain gluten in a different way and how we can make them gluten free. So having those conversations and awareness too, is, is a whole nother level. Um, we started this back in October and then to answer your last question about bodies and, and things like that, I never make comments of my body around my kiddos. If I feel good, they know I feel good. But I try not to bring a lot of awareness if I'm having, like, let's say I'm having an off day. I just think they're too young. I want to be, I want to help them to be able to navigate that when they're in, an, you know, probably preteen and stuff like that. But for now, I don't want that to be a thing. Yeah, it's focusing instead on like how their bodies perform, like what they can do, right? Like, are you having a yeah. high energy day or a low energy? Are you really tired today? Or are you feeling really good today versus like how bodies look or maybe even, you know, our perception of them, which I think is a subject like body image that grows, yeah. you know, as we get a little older. I yeah. absolutely respect and understand that. I'm actually terrified with those conversations, to be honest. And I question myself every single day as a girl mom, you know, what I'm setting for an example. Did I, did I slip up? Oh my God. Did I like put something out there that, you know, it's hard because you, you don't want to have them grow up naive, right? You want them to be aware. Hello, we're dealing with five and seven year olds. Like I'm talking like down the road, but um, understanding too, that all shapes and sizes, like not making comments on other people's bodies as well, you know, is something that I, I actively do not do and make sure that and my husband is the same. Like we don't make comments about other people in front of them. It, it's starting at such a younger age. I have a few people that a few good friends that work in the school systems. And I mean, it's eight, nine, and I'm like, we're like one or two years away from that. And it's terrifying. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. But I think the coolest thing that you have shared is that you've self-corrected. Like you saw previously years ago, you know, you were using terms like good and bad, and this is unhealthy or yeah. maybe this is clean. And I think that's so relatable to a lot of parents because they're probably just doing what they've always done, right? Or like how they were raised, they're also continuing that. But you acknowledging, I have to stop this cycle because I want better, both for myself and for my girls, is everything. Like I think a parent who is trying to make their children's relationship with food healthier and better and who's modeling the same you, you can't mess your kids up so much doing that because you like, you care so much. You're already so concerned about like, am I getting this right? Like, am I making sure that I am practicing what I preach because I know that they're seeing me, not just hearing yep. what I have to say and being the yep. first one to like break that generational family food trauma is hard. Like you have no example aside from influences on the internet. 
Right. You know, it's, it was so hard. And my husband comes from such a different world too. So we, we talk about that often and we have our jokes and stuff, but it's, you know, he came from abundance. I came from scarcity. So it's just wild. And I knew, you know, from a very young age, I was going to be the one to break the chain in, you know, my generational trauma. I knew, I knew that it was, it was going to be me, but you're so right. Like navigating that solo, completely solo, just got myself professional help and just figuring it out on your own. And I think you can relate to this as a type A, we're so driven and stubborn and you just like, just when we get, I know that when I get set on something and I set it into motion and I put it into the universe, that's it. Like I'm focused. I'm going down all the rabbit holes and I'm not stopping until I find the solution that makes sense for me and my life and my family. Right. So yeah, it was a crazy, crazy navigation. <laughs> From my vantage point, it sounds like you're doing a great job, but I want to end with this question, Christina, if you're talking to a woman who's in your similar situation, a woman who is doing the work to break down food and diet and body and just family trauma in her family, how can she validate herself when it feels like no one else is on her team? And that is so hard. That is so, that's such a hard place to be in. And I think that honestly goes back to a lot of what we were talking about as well is finding that community and finding, finding people that are, you know, also going through those kind of struggles that you can relate and bounce off of. But I think probably one of my biggest recommendations that I would make if I came across a client that was in the position that I was in is to start professional help immediately and have and have that talk therapist and then have somebody else like a health coach or somebody just have support we don't i think we find it hard extremely not i i don't even i'm not even going to say i think we, we find it really hard to ask for help we'd rather suffer in silence for as long as possible so if i found a woman that was struggling in the position that i found myself in so many years ago i wish somebody had found me and said hey you are not going to regret this. Don't feel stupid. You have to, you know, put your shame aside, put your guilt aside and get the help that you need and the support that you need now. It is going to change your life. I would have done it. I would have been, you know, I would have gotten the help that I needed a lot sooner. Same. And think about, I mean, talking about kids and how this all relates. So often we're very quick to say, if you're struggling, go to your teacher. Like if you see something and you feel like it needs addressed, go find an adult and share this with them or ask me for help if you're having trouble with something. So we're we're telling them like, you don't have to do this alone. You have people here to support you. Go take advantage of those resources. And yet we're like, no, I have to do this all by myself or else I'm seen as being weak or something, you know, whatever the story is that we tell ourselves. I know. I think our ego, honestly, is is the biggest thing that gets in our way for the most part. Yeah. You know, and, and digging up and digging up trauma and dealing with that. It's yeah. painful, not easy. Right. Yeah. I think it does come back to shame, probably. And just denial. Shame and denial. Those two things are, are biggies. But yeah. 
the only way out is through. So we can't right. avoid and suppress forever. Eventually we have to, you know, figure it out what it is that we're dealing with. And you have been a beautiful illustration of that. Christina, thanks so much for sharing just a little bit of your story. I know it's hard to pack everything into one podcast episode, um, but you are certainly a, a role model for me as I figure out how to talk about food, you know, to, to my child and future children. You're doing a great job. And I, I don't think we hear that enough as women and moms who are navigating the world of food and body doing their best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Last but not least, Christina, where can listeners find you? Where can they watch your reels, get more information that you are sharing and hear more of your story? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Christina. It's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A underscore Abrazizi. I know I have all the letters in the alphabets. Uh, A-B-R-U-Z-Z-I-S-E. Um, and then I have links in my bio um, or you can simply DM me if you even just have, you know, questions. Um, I love I love having chats with women. So never hesitate to reach out. Yes. Christina and I just did an Instagram live together. Um, So go check out her Instagram page. I'll drop the link in the show notes below and you can hunt for that on her profile, but she's got a ton of great stuff there. Christina, this was amazing. Thank you so much for being here and letting me steal some of your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the health, wealth, and wisdom podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.